0: Ready for the world's greatest arsenal podcast welcome to another podcast by guns and yellow ribbons enjoy the show hello
1: welcome to another episode of guns and yellow ribbons i am your host fergus i'm joined by my good friends uh trevor uh gunnar hilsey capo dan and this week in the hot seat we have got dale dale boy posh Gunner. um and he's, uh, he, he's got to show off his medals today. We are going to look uh, back to the City game. Uh, we'll look ahead to tomorrow night's game against Chelsea. And we've also got the Women's Champions League semi-final on in the background. So if something happens in there, we'll quickly bring it up for you. Uh, evening everybody in the chat. Uh, Trev, you're in charge of chat. I'm not touching. I've got enough stuff here to to deal with. How are you, Trev?
0: I'm all right. Thank you, Ferg. I'm um... I'm still buzzing about the season we're having. Got the ladies' game on in my left eye now, watching that. Um, as we just said, Fergus, our young lads reached a cup final. We're having a great season in the league, and we've had a we've had a bad run over the last few games. But it's not lowered my enthusiasm at all. I'm not angry. I'm 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 a bit disappointed, a bit fed up, but I'm not angry. I'm just can't wait till tomorrow, Ferg. Can't wait till tomorrow. Dan Capo, how are you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, good. Lovely, bank holiday day outside today, so I'm really pleased to be sitting in a, a laptop talking to you guys. No I'm joking, I am really. <laughs> um, yeah, no, enjoying it. Enjoying a bit of a rest ahead of tomorrow, and like yourselves, got multiple screens on the football in the background. So, it's yes, good. Well, I've got uh, Blackburn Luton up here behind me, and and the ladies on there
1: uh, that just shown the offside on there. Dale, how you doing, mate?
3: Evening, mate. I'm uh, looking forward to my invite to Fergus's sports bar. By, by the sound of it, all the multi screens
1: you got going on. <laughs> it's called high tech, high tech, high tech. So, talk to us about your your your. Um, you got some silverware already, haven't you?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm buzzing with that.
1: It's uh, 39 years old and still winning silverware. Won the league last year
3: and yesterday we we uh, we won the, the the veterans cup. So. Peterborough oh. Veterans Cup season winners, twenty two, twenty three. So yeah, real good day yesterday.
1: Brilliant so. medal. Brilliant medal. Well done, mate. Well done. So I couldn't, I couldn't kick the ball if I tried, uh, even at, uh, at thirty nine. Never mind now, with fifty two, I'd, I'd, I'd be screwed. I'd be screwed. 52, listen, before so have we a
2: laugh, fifty two is at least seventy five. Come on.
1: <laughs> uh, listen, guys. Uh, before we start, we're thinking of uh, John Dickinson. Today, uh, died in nineteen eighty two. Uh, Gone to a game of football. Died on the North Bank. When the West Ham ICF, uh, somebody in the uh, there uh, decided to take his life. Trevor, uh, you were there on the day. Unmute yourself,
0: mate. You've done it again. Yeah, I was. I was. I was there. I was there on that day. I didn't know John, um, but it, it was mayhem on the North Bank that day. Absolute mayhem. And um, I don't. I'm not throwing any accusations out there. There's all sorts of. Lines of thought of what happened and what didn't happen, but I don't know, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guess about it. All I know is that John Dickinson went to a game of football that day and uh, didn't go home through no fault of his own, and um, that should never happen. That should never happen. So all our thoughts are with him today, mate.
1: Yeah, um, as you say, he went to football um, and didn't come home. This was us in Manchester, in Yates Bar, Manchester. Could you imagine one of us didn 't make it home that would be absolutely awful, so for that reason um we do we do think of you John uh, we're back to the normal screen right let's um let's go look at the um the city game first of all because there's there's a few things to unpack about that um it's done it 's dusted um we will go through it, and we'll look more forward uh, towards the um the Chelsea game as well. So going into the game, the lineup: Shaka uh, was back for Vieira, and it was Odegaard's hundredth game. Uh, the lineup was—I've lost my lineup. Where's my lineup gone? Uh, oh, well, no. while I get—that's uh, the city lineup. Um,
2: what did you make of the lineup, um, Dan? Come on, <laughs> improv, improv. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what was the lineup? So it was Rams- Ramsdale in goal, Zinchenko, Gabriel, Holding, uh, Ben White. Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, right? That was the lineup, yeah. yeah.
1: Um wide yeah, White holding, Gabriels and Jacob Partey, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, yeah.
2: It's all right, it's good to know we're we'll um rehearsed. Yeah, that's uh, for me the the standard lineup, right? I mean, for me, strongest, f- strongest team, lots of chat around should Trossard start, but I think Saka and Martinelli for the whole season have been fantastic. Um, same with Jesus, I think even since he's come back from injury, I think he's he's brought us up a level again, I think, in our attacking sort of fluidity. Um, I think our mistakes in recent results have been at the back rather than up top, so I think for me, um, Jesus absolutely deserves to start as well. Uh, Dale, um, tactically-wise, it seemed like uh, Man City
1: uh, didn't want to do the normal playing out from the back along the ground, decided to cut out of midfield a little bit and obviously clearly... It, it, Evident early on with the, the first goal, but what did you make of them changing and then long ball for than the beautiful football that does.
3: Um, I think they exploited the uh what we've been speaking about a couple of weeks in a row now about the exposed defense we've got, and I think some of that came um became known in that game as well. We gave so much space to them it failed to run at us after that long ball. Um, it just exposed that back four again. Um yeah, I mean, we said we will about that game. One thing we can't take away is how good City are. They're an incredible side and, it, yeah, was frustrating.
1: The girls are down 2-1, unfortunately, um, from a set piece. Um, yeah. Um, Trevor, talk to me about um, the first goal. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, the, the, the fear was Haaland and how much damage Haaland could do. And from what I've seen on bits of extended highlights and replays and from on the night as well, Haaland, whilst effective, was just like he was like the he was more or less taking the role of instigating and clipping balls on and so on. And and he did so for that very first goal for Kevin De Bruyne.
0: Yeah. I am gonna be plainly honest with you here, Ferg, in that I've not watched the game back, mate, and I was I was happily under the influence, thankfully, when the game was going on. <laughs> um but for for me, from the very start. From the very start, it, you just knew that we weren't in it. You man City had their had, had their get up and go inside them, had changed their, their shape a little bit. And um once that goal went in early, I think it was the seventh minute, wasn't it? We we yeah, just won. they were just, just too good for us, mate. So I'm really sorry I can't go into the goals specifically because I'm gonna be honest and say I've not watched it. I didn't I don't want to watch it back. I I, I thought that um Man City were too good for us. And and I'm finding it hard to swallow, to be honest, mate.
1: No, no, I, I get that, Dan. Look, I, I thought that, um, you know, on his near post, that Ramsdale should have, should have could have done done a bit better.
2: But you looked at it a little bit more, in, in, in a bit more detail as well, didn't you? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was just a fantastic strike, to, to be fair. But when De Bruyne takes the ball, he takes it early. I think he catches people off guard. But he sets it so far outside the post and calls it back into the bottom corner. That I I don't think there's many keepers in the world that would say that, in all fairness. I think Kevin De Bruyne is a fantastic striker of the ball. Um, I think there are other errors in that goal as opposed to the goalkeeper. I feel like um, criticism of Ransdale is probably not warranted, to be fair. I think he also kept us in the, in the game more than we, what we should have been.
1: No, no. I, I, listen, I get that, and 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 I agree overall over the the, the law of averages for the season. He's definitely uh, had a much better season than for some of the faults that I'm picking up picking up on. Uh, Dell, did did you think that he should have done better on his um, on his near post? or were you, were you in the same camp as Dan?
3: No, i we with Dan on that one. I, I, there was a, one of the comments I see a flash of a moment ago. The midfield didn't track back it, when De Bruyne was running at us. The defence kept backtracking with him. Not one of them went to close him down. I don't know. I just think that, the, that there was errors leading up to that, which shouldn't have made meant that Ramsdale had to even attempt that. But I think it was, mm. it was great by the pointer. but yeah, Ramsdale's not
1: a fault for me. So um, we're in the stands and it's like coming close to half time. I've gone out to get some beers. And just as I go out to, uh, to get some beers, the um, uh, Stones gets a goal now. Uh, Talk to me about this one. Um, I won't go to you, uh, Trev. I'll go to to Dan. Yeah. Talk to me about this on on the the offside side of thing. Because for me, I've seen it on several different angles, and you can see these two different angles here. And and Trevor, you can come in after as well on this because we talk about the opportunities uh, to compromise the game. And when you can see the live camera angle at the top up there, that to me, and when I looked on Match Today on extended head uh, highlights and everything else. Everybody, including Stones himself, felt the ball was offside. But when you look at the still down below, where the angle of the camera is really weird, it's not even flat on. Um, it shows that Holdings, uh, maybe tip of his toenail, is offside. Dan, talk to me. because
2: you believe that it probably was correctly adjudged uh, on- uh, onside? In all fairness, I'm not really sure what all the fuss is about. I think it's clearly onside. Um, I don't think there's a, a single angle to come at that and say that he's that he's offside at all. It's all about perspective with the camera angles, right? And if the camera angle is slightly to one side or the other side, it will make the still image look like he's off or on. So as long as they don't forget to draw the lines, which we know they have done in the past, but when they do actually draw the lines and do their their job to the minimum standard, the lines are calibrated within such a small sort of degree of, of, of error. So, yeah, for me, he's, he's onside. That, that is um, what VAR is there for at the end of the day. And uh, this one hasn't gone for us, but ultimately what we want with VAR is to get the right decision. And, and they did. Um, the frustration for me on that goal was not, not the fact that they scored it. It's the fact that we gave the free kick away in the first place. And mm-hmm. it was just, I think, frustration from Partey to give away the foul when we should have just said, OK, let's soak it up, It's getting get half-time, and let's see what we can do. Um, but that goal just killed us off, really. Um, one second, is my sound out, by the way? Just... No, nope, it's OK now. OK,
1: all right. Um, uh, Del, uh, what's your thoughts on 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 what Dan has to say there about the offside? Like you'd say, it's perspective, but when you can see it in, in, in live yeah. play, and that is the live screen, everybody but a, a man come along and said, He's offside.
3: Yeah, that, that top image for me, if you can put that image back up again. So if you look at the bottom image there, I, you, right, so you can see, right, his foot is stretched out. So they're saying the defender's foot stretched out. Now look at the top imi- image, right? Are you telling me his foot is like – there's a, on that top image, you can see a couple of feet gap between them. I'm, I'm sorry, Dan. I, I disagree with that. I think he's offside. I think every most people I spoke to said the same thing. If you notice the one thing in the bottom image, they never show you that bottom image with the ball in where you can see the ball as well. If we could see that image there at the same time as where you can see him striking the ball, I'd be more convinced, but I'm not convinced about that at all. I know Trevor, VAR's given opportunity... it, but we all know VAR can get things wrong, right?
1: Yeah,
0: clearly Trevor, the well, opportunity was... to compromise. Are we, are we seeing it evident there? Oh, the opportunity to influence. No, I think that one was, that one was too tight and you can look at it from both ways, but, um, uh, I think all I'm hoping for now, Fergus, mate, is that they've got something planned for the end of this season to bring this VAR into line, the officials into line and, and whatever they're going to do, I don't know. I mean, it's, we spoke about poor John Dickinson earlier. I believe that today or yesterday was the anniversary of Abu Diarby suffering that, that real bad break to his leg, his career-ending tackle from that Sunderland lad. And I believe he got a yellow card for that at Sunderland lad It was was the most blatant red card I've ever seen in my life. And the lad got a yellow card. And who was the referee that day? I believe it was Dermot Gallagher. The same referee that's on telly now, preaching what's right and what's wrong. So it's been going on for, for a long time. I'm trying not to go off on a rant here, mate. I really genuinely am. But I'm really struggling with these VAR officials. I mean, let's hold our hands up and be honest, right? Let's hold our hands up and be honest. What happened to Tottenham yesterday? That lad got his head booted off his shoulders nearly. And the bloke mm. got a yellow card and stayed on the field after a VAR review, then got up the other and scored a goal. So the opportunities to influence are massive, Fergus, and we're seeing proof of that. And I'm just hoping that the end of this season comes and they're going to say, right, we're going to wipe the blank sheet. Let's start again thinking about how we're going to use this VAR because it works. It works if it's used correctly. Right, sorry, Ferg. As for the Blackburn. Man City game, yeah, um, we it was men v boys, we were bullied. We played our best, but I Blackburn. think our best was good enough.
1: That's it. The Blackburn had just got one back against Luton, so Luton uh, mightn't be coming up in the playoffs just yet, but uh, we'll see on that. Um, so, listen, the, the key for us at that point um, was to try and get in at half-time 1-0. I feel... I honestly do feel if we came in at, at half time, one nil, our could gather their thoughts, Dell. Do you do you think it would have been a, a different game? Do you think we could have come out and done a bit more? Because I think the team was dead at 2-0, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, uh, the reality is, I guess we'll never know, but the city looked good. Let's 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 not take that away. They looked very good. We'd have had a better chance going in at 1-0, of course, and I think every single Gunners fans across the country you could hear their heart sink. When that second goal was given because we, I think, we all knew at that point it was over. Um, at that point, we were I mean, it got to the stage where we we're looking for in the group chat, we were looking at positives. And someone said in like the, the 85th minute, Well, at least we won the second half, and then they went and scored again. So <laughs> it just goes to show kind of how tough the game was. But the second game was just the nail in the coffin. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's ifs, buts, and maybes. And if we could have made it to half time, who knows? But unfortunately, we didn't
1: um oh uh, god come into a, li- a little bit of um uh, stick done about uh, the, the the hospital pass he he gave to concede the third goal uh, you've looked back at it what were your
2: thoughts i think it's a bit like the other goals, in all fairness i think it's more to do with the setup that we had um and more to do with man city's setup than than individual errors um players give the ball away at times but it's about being in a position to to counter press and try and win the ball back or ultimately drop back into a into a mid block or a low block i think the setup didn't allow you, us to do you- that i
1: think you you sent me um a a a long list of bits and pieces i didn't put it into into the the this but i i've still got it on the screen on here but the change in different formations the way that city changed formation versus the way we went 4 1 4 1 and 4 uh, and what was it four one two three 1 2 3 go on off you go
2: yeah i mean ultimately both sides really pressed in the same sort of way except for you know city's press was a little bit further onto the center backs and tried to put pressure and we sort of waited to try and set a trap and then press but ultimately we pressed up in such a high position where if they'd had and been building in a three and a two like we did and how they normally did i think we would have caused them more problems but they they sat up in a four and a two and ultimately when you're when you're pressing as a five against six they're always going to have a spare man and what they did is they waited for us to press they waited until we got them into a position where we was in a good press but then because we were so high up the pitch they had just a little dink over the over the top and ultimately what man city wanted to do was to create one-on-ones with either rob holding or gabriel and, and they did that very very well because de bruyne just floated in in and behind thomas Partey, and every single time it was hold um it was harland versus holding and um i don't care how good you are as a center back if you're one on one with Haaland, you're gonna you're gonna have problems at least once or twice in the game so hmm you know, they, they set up, I think, very, very well Man City. And then once they've got control of the game, there was like a 20 minute period where we did drop back into a mid block. But for me, it was a bit too late. You know, what we should have done is set up very similar to City with two sixes in front, a bit more of a mid block and actually just create our own transitions. Because when you're in a decent shape and City are pressing and they're, they're pushing up high like we did in leaving spaces, we've then got the players to to get in behind. But yeah, for me, it was it was more, rather than Arsenal versus City, this was a, a Guardiola versus Arteta. And I think in this one, Guardiola sort of came out and um, was on top in this one for me.
1: Yeah, uh, Trev, Dan, Danny uh, from Berkham Wonderland has got a real good point in the chat there that you just put up um, about party. Party's job is to, uh, to soak up the pressure. And he hasn't been doing it for the last four or five games. We saw it at West Ham, we saw it at uh, Southampton, uh, we saw it at Liverpool, you know, giving away stupid stupid you know um pieces which lead to penalties etc
0: yeah you can't argue the fact that party has had a a drop in his form a bit fergus right at the wrong time of the season for us it needs to be said as well but he's what we've got you if you look at the bigger picture he's he's still had a good season I, i know he's he's not been quite at the top of his game the last couple of games but I'm going to, I'm looking at bigger pictures all night tonight, but Dan got me thinking. Then you know, because I made no it, Dan's exactly right. You know, when when you make the the the, the Guardiola, Arteta connection, you know, I, we've said before on here on more than on one occasion, Arsenal play like Man City. Arsenal Arsenal use a lot of the same tactics as Man City. They like to get the ball out wide quickly and and make one on ones out wide or make one on ones just inside the flanks. You know. And um, I, and Dan's exactly right. I think Guardiola knew what way um, Arteta was going to play and thought, right, you, you know, we're going to counteract that, and we're going to start playing the odd long ball and and putting them off their track a bit, and it worked perfectly. You know, it worked perfectly. We just we just didn't know how to play against it. We didn't know how to play against it. We've got to be careful though, right? We've got to be careful because I, I keep saying I'm going to look at the bigger picture tonight. We're taking the last four games. And we're making a lot of noise about it. And rightfully so, we've got a right to, because it's been disappointing, right? It's been really disappointing. So we've got a right to talk about it at length, what's gone wrong and 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 what's not going quite right. But we, we've also got to have in our heads as well. We're still second in the league, we're still the second best team in the country. We've still had some great performances this year, and we're still on the up. So there is a bright side to all of this. So, you know, let's let's pull City and the other draws apart. But that's Keeping the back of our heads that that's not the whole season. That's just a bad few games, and hopefully tomorrow night we put that right. Yeah, we really put that right.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there, Trev, and I think your your point about looking at the bigger picture. I think we do, we shouldn't be looking at this as too much of a negative because the reason why I think Guardiola sort of outthought and outthought Arteta is more. It's, it's not down to a, a lack of quality. We've got quality in our team, but. What we don't have is the quality and depth, and I think Pep has just a lot more flexibility to make changes and make those small little tweaks to make differences in games, and we haven't got that yet. So it's it's a transition. It's it's a part of we keep saying process, but now progress. How do we next get to the next level? And ultimately, I think that's that's where
0: our next level will come from. It's it's quality and depth. Exactly, Dan. Exactly, Dan, you know. And let's be honest with ourselves, right? People are going in really heavy on on holding, right? But uh, uh, holding isn't Saliba, right? We've absolutely missed Saliba massively. Massively missed the man. But at the end of the day, holding's what we've got to bring in, right? And holding is going on the field and giving it everything he's got. And it's all right saying... Holding missed a pass like we have done just now, or holding didn't press up quick enough. That's fine, but some of the things I've seen written about holding are, are, are not warranted, not needed. He knows what his levels are. Holding knows that better than anyone else, and he's doing his utmost for the Arsenal. He may not be quite good enough for us, but he's giving his utmost for the Arsenal. And all I've ever asked for is 100 from the players on the field, and I've seen no reason to question Holding's commitment to the cause. He may not do well, it. Else, some others do, but his commitment to the cause is there, and for that, I support him.
1: Yeah, it's clear to see. Like you know, the, the guy is definitely a Premier League quality player, but he's not uh, a Premier League winning quality player. But he gave his all on on um, Wednesday night, and um, with the assist of Trossard, um, he got a goal back for us, and you know, gave us a little bit of hope. I know we were three nil down at that point. You know, I, I didn't at that point because it was so late in the game. Think, here we go, we can get it back to three three and get and take a point. Um, but you know, um, would you have started Trossard? Uh, or, or even if you look ahead to the the um, the Chelsea game, there's a question that Bradley Ballard uh, put on Facebook, which was, um, uh, take that down a second, Mike, I think you. Uh, let me uh, let me draw this one. Do you think Jesus has upset the rhythm uh, we were in uh, when he came back into the team? Not saying there's a bad player one bit, uh, but. The system we had in place, and because he was got out for so long, seemed to have changed when we come back. And I know we've added Trussard into the mix now as well. Del, do do you think that maybe? Oh, Yeah, team. Str- have they? Oh, yeah. let's bring it up. Let's see if this. I'm probably going to get nicked on YouTube for this. Let me take it off for a second on we'll the goal you off, gets replayed. Take it off. Yeah. Um, hang on, the goal's just going to come up in a second. Uh, Del, Del, what do you think about that point then? It, 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 do you think Jesus may have caused a little bit of fly in the ointment?
3: No, I can see the question. And it's just, is that goal? We're going to see this. Yeah. Good header. Well,
1: Great
0: era. Yeah, well worked goal. Yeah, yeah, very good goal. Very good.
3: Um, No, I I can see where the question comes from, but I would say no. Uh, Rewind, just a couple of games back, his first game back, he scored two goals, he won the penalty. Nobody questioned him then. Um, I I just think we've just had an unfortunate run of events. Um, Do I think he should have started against City? Yes. Um, Do I think we should try Trossard against Chelsea? Yes. Um, I think he was absolutely the right player to start up top. Uh, The question for me in the City game, which you may remember he was talking about the other week, was... Um, uh, Zinchenko uh, I said was Zinchenko the right player to
1: was that an offside they ruled it out. out it's, it's been checking they're checking it at the minute it's still checking at the moment uh...
3: check over right just, no, no just... but, but no I, I, I see the I see the point but I don't I, I honestly don't I, I can't question Jesus he, he like I say three games ago he won the penalty he scored two goals so no I, I don't question Jesus at all he was Part of that process at the start, he came back his first game, got two goals uh, like he'd never been away. Um, it's just been an unfortunate run of results for us over the last four days. I don't think we can pinpoint and hold I think that's unfair. I don't think we can say it's Jesus. It's unfair. I don't think we can say it's, it's part. I think as a collective, I think we can all agree that there's been holes that we can pick out all over the pitch. But the reality is, it's just been a bad patch for us. Let's face it, right? If we, if we go ahead and beat Chelsea tomorrow, that change changes. People start to, to think positive again. All it's going to take is a win to turn the players round, to turn the fans back around. I'm not, I'm not
1: concerned. I'm not concerned. Dan, we can, we we can look at various different things. There was a red card appeal that we could look into the game, but you know the dice is is thrown. Um, it's in City's control now. Um, how do you see this panning out? You know they've got seven games still to play. Uh, they didn't. Alvarez' goal against Fulham was was great, but they didn't. They weren't convincing against Fulham, were
2: they? No, but they did what they needed to get over the line. Um, look, it's, it's not over. I'm not going to say it's over. It's not over until it's math- mathematically done. But I, I do think you're going to struggle to overturn what could be a four-point deficit against a top, top team. And and this is nothing to do with us, by the way. This is, we could finish second with 90 points. And how many times has that happened in, in the history of the Premier League? Not not that many. So mm-hmm. this isn't down to us. This is down to the the... The machine that we're we're up against so I think there's there's no harm in saying we've come second to this sort of side if that does happen um and I don't think the players should be downbeat I don't think it's a successful season um I think it's a progressive season but it's not success yet ultimately success is winning a trophy but there, there's a lot of positives still to come out of this and I think even even these last five games this is the players saying, okay, I'm going to stake my claim for a starting place next next year. This is we're going to get momentum going into next year. And at, at a minimum, we're going to say that we were the second best side in the league. So there's still lots to play for, even if we don't go on to win the league. But look, if we don't put pressure on City, then any chance we do have is non-existent. So it, it's down to us to get back on the get back on the wagon and go again.
1: Mm, Trevor, this is what our Ted had to say after
2: the game.
0: Saying that I'm incredibly proud and thankful for everybody who has contributed to bring Champions League back to this football club uh, with five, six games to go, something that hasn't happened in over a decade um, in this club. So, congratulations and thank you so much for everybody's contribution contributed with that and thank you for still being upset and not accepting that Champions League is enough and we want more because this is what is going to demand to get what we want. Yeah, Trevor. First of all,
2: saying seen that, to be honest. Um is, is, and I think he's he's just summed it up spot on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He he's he a great user of words, Is Arteta, and he's exactly right there. He's exactly right there. Um I just differ to, to Dan a little bit in that I think I do think that a title challenge is now over. I'm still full of hope. Still full of hope. But I think looking at it logically and looking at the way Manchester City played against us and the way they just managed to squeeze the win at Fulham. I think I think it's it's over but I think second even third for me I'm I'm still smiling at the end of the season still better than I thought we'd get absolutely devastated that we didn't manage to hold our form if that's the way it runs out who says it's not you know but but I'm still we could lose the rest of our games this season and I still wouldn't be angry I'd be disappointed disappointed but I wouldn't be angry I'd still be thinking okay We've capitulated a bit at the end of the season. Bring on next season because we're going to improve again. Um, it's it's really difficult, isn't it? While we're still talking about Manchester City, we, we've got, Fergus, we've got to talk briefly about the financial fair play, right? We've got to talk briefly but- about. That, that that almost brings in the question. Let me
1: because I we did ask for questions, and some of, some of that what you're going to talk about is in Stefan's question. So Stefan's question covers a lot, and I'm not saying we will be able to answer all of it because some of it is just beyond us. But what do we uh, what do we least like about uh, city state ownership, financial unfair play, uh, the shithousery, bad winners, plastic fa- plastic fans, uh, and 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 uh, stuff like that. So it, it type of brings across the, answering that question. Go on the financial fair play are unfair players, Stefan says.
0: Well, I I don't hate City for it. I don't hate Pep for it. I don't hate their players for it. Because if they're allowed to do it, then they're going to do it. If they've got the money, they're going to do it. But don't forget, this is my view, by the way. I have nothing to substantiate this, but we're here to give our views. I think that it's not just about the the financial um, purchasing power of City, the transfer fees they play, I think that there must be much more to it than that because other teams can pay those transfer fees. I I, I I, wonder, I'm being careful with words here, I wonder if there's some kind of backhanders that go on to agents, to the players themselves. Obviously, their salaries they're paying are way above what anyone else could afford to do. And um, as long as they're going to get, uh, being allowed to get away with it, they're going to do it. And you can't blame them for that. You can't blame City for that. It's, it, it's, the, it's the powers that be, to coin a phrase from Troy, Troy Deeney, they need to grow a pair of kahunas and, and start coming down heavy on this financial fair play. Then we level out the playing field because there's no doubt for me that if we keep going as we are for the next 10 years, we're going to have two, possibly three teams at the top of the Premier League and they will be 20 or 30 points clear of the rest because that's the way it's heading. We've seen the trend, it keeps going and going. And it worries me greatly, but I'm not angry with City about it. There's people in power that are there to stop City doing it, and they're not doing it.
3: On the financial fair play piece, Trev, they were saying um, there was a big focus on Newcastle, on Sky Sports, I don't know if anybody saw it, and saying it's financial fair play is measured over a seven-year period. And they were saying, in theory, Newcastle can go out over the next two or three, four transfer windows, spend 300 million quid because of Mike Ashley's lack of spending historically. Um, and they would still be within their rights to do so. That's the problem we fight if we face now. Because City have done it, there's nothing stopping... I'm not saying Newcastle are going to do it, but they can. There's there's nothing stopping them going out and doing exactly the same thing. And that just adds to exactly what you just said there. You then find yourself in a position where you've got City are going to be miles ahead of everybody else because they've got the financial uh, firepower. Newcastle, we all know, if the Arabs go ahead and buy United, they could be in a similar situation. And they get round it as well by sponsorship deals. You look at some of what Man City have done. If, because if they put so much into the local area, they can sponsor themselves. It then generates a form of income because of certain projects. The whole thing is it needs an overhaul. And what makes it worse is when these teams get done for financial fair play, because City have, let's not forget that, they have been done for it in the past and they got a fine. What use is a 50 grand fine to somebody who's got pockets that deep? It means absolutely diddly squat. It's almost like they, they can stick two fingers up and go oh well now i'm not saying that does happen but it does make you question what conversations go on behind the scenes for that to be deemed a punishment because it's not a punishment at all
2: ferg yeah, you've just... done the trip <laughs> <laughs> hey! don't, you ever, don't you ever think out trev ever again <laughs> it, I, I don't
1: i don't last week as well um it, it It will be interesting to see what happens with Everton and what they get done for their financial irregularities. And I know they've got restrictions in the transfer market, etc. And then see what happens to Manchester City um, with regards to the 101 charges that have been brought to them. Um, Because uh, Everton, they're probably going to go down. And if they do go down, I think they're in really big trouble because they're going to be that restricted um, with huge wage bills and a, a new stadium and everything else. I think no matter what you chuck at Man City, unless it's a massive point deduction or kicking them out of competitions, there's no point in taking retrospective taking trophies off off teams. Um, it doesn't make any it doesn't make a blind bit of difference. I don't think if if we come second this season and, and Man City get it um, uh, win the, the league and it gets retrospectively handed to us, yeah, it just it, it will always be chucked back in our face. You didn't really win it, and I, I don't know. It'd just be interesting to see. Um, David Twist has got a question. It's not on, that simple,
2: though, is it? If, if, if I just follow up on that one quickly, it's not it's not as simple as just spending power, right? Because ultimately there there are clubs that I'm not really that bothered about that are spending just as much money, if not more, such as Manchester United, for example. And without getting into the club, because everyone's got different opinions of clubs that they like and dislike, but Manchester United ultimately generate more revenue than, than other clubs in, in, in England and therefore have a higher spending power because of it. Whereas Man City's isn't really revenue that they generate themselves. It's either, as Dale said, sponsorships, and there's there's fine wording on what they can, and can't use a sponsorship, such as if it's an arm's length deal, is I think some of the accounting words that they use. And I think we can probably all agree that the majority of them are probably not going to be. But when you've got a big, big group of companies owned by their ultimate owner, That can then be making payments off the side and put it through the accounts of other companies that's where for me it's it's too far and and you're competing against um clubs that are not just spending lots of money but quite blatantly bending the rules and that ultimately is what we don't want to be seeing in football right if you've got managers being paid a contract with man city but then another contract with an affiliate um entity that's quite blatantly wrong. And exactly as you said, I think it, any financial fine is not going to, to improve mm. the situation. Um, Newcastle, I think so far, have actually been very, very good in how they spent. They've been, they've been quite smart. They've brought in some good players. Look, they are going to spend money, but I think they're going to spend it when they start to generate higher revenues. And they're going to do that this year by being in the Champions League. But you're competing against owners... That are playing Winks at the end of the day, they're putting money in and having fun with a club. It's like us going on the PlayStation and saying, "I'm going to buy this player and that player," and that's that helps me what they're doing. So,
0: that's it. Yeah, that's it's that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, we, we, we,
1: without getting into without getting into the financial fair play and getting too down into that one, I just want to finish off with a few questions and then look at the Chelsea game because. So, um Go on, folks, go on. Can try. I just
0: simplify that? Because yeah, it I can really simplify it, right? Think of the superstar. I can't name them all, but just off the top of my head, um, Mares was the main name about in the country when he was at Leicester. Um, Grealish was the main name about everywhere when he was at Villa. Um, Harlan was the main name about last season. And they could have gone to any club, but they've all gone to Manchester City. And they've not gone to Manchester City because they like Manchester City more than any club. They've not gone there because it's Manchester City. They've gone there because they get the most of this. That's all it is, mate. That's all it is. I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it happens.
1: I don't think it's any different than back in the day when it was United getting all the players, when Arsenal United were the top two. And then Chelsea came in in 2000 and what was it, 2003. And they started... Uh, Doping everything. Let, let let's just try and get through a couple yeah. of these questions. We did ask people to put questions in, so I, I would like to respect them and do it. The first one, uh, the second one, a third one actually now comes in from David Twist. Do you think City will now relax a bit and drop some points? Uh, and do you think like the, the, the distraction Dell? Um, of the Champions League, semi-final and, and final, because that's ultimately what they want. Do you think they might drop a few points? And, uh... No. <laughs> in, all, in all honesty, I know. No, I know
3: when, you, when you look at their fixtures as well, they've got such a kind run of fixtures. I won't say easy, because there's no easy games in the Premier League. But I was, I was literally looking at it a second ago to see what they've got. So they've got their last couple of games, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, Brighton. Can you see them... Realistically, I mean, obviously, I miss Brentford off there as well. But I mean, with the exception of potentially Brighton, I think City will absolutely roller coaster a lot of them. I think they'll they'll go through them like a like a steam train. Do I think the distraction of the cup and the Champions League will make a difference? No, I think if anything, the FA Cup is a motivating tool for them because they've not just got a chance to get a trophy; they've got a chance to get a trophy against their bitter rivals and, and local in a, in a local derby. Um, as for the Champions League, I think if they get past Real Madrid, which I think they will, I can't see any, I, they'll go on and win it. And I do think they'll win the treble. I don't like to say that, but I, I just think that that good aside, they've just got better and better and better as the season's gone on. I think, if anything, their Premier League fixtures give them an advantage in the other competitions as well because
1: they've not got as tougher games as what some have got. Okay. Um, Let's look at the Chelsea game then. Uh, we have got um, that coming up. Arsenal Chelsea is tomorrow evening at eight pm at the Emirates Stadium. Our head to head against them is quite good of recent years. We we did go through a spell where where uh, we couldn't we couldn't get a win for love the money. And I recall uh, not the last away game, the away game previously when we went and done four uh, two, meeting up with Trevor and and everybody else, and nobody gave us a chance. Uh, at that point. And that was like part of the turning point uh, from a very poor run of form that Arsenal were going to into effectively the current run that we're in. Um, Trevor, what's your hopes and expectations against um, uh, Chelsea?
0: Well, if you go to form, we should win it, shouldn't we? Because our form's been a bit ropey, but blimey, Chelsea have been terrible. So um, it's a great opportunity for us to get our confidence back again Great opportunity to, 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 to lift our fans again, although after the performance from our fans in Manchester, we don't need lifting anymore. I'm I'm optimistic that we're gonna have a positive evening, we're gonna score a few goals and we're gonna get back on that winning trail again. Um I think it I think it'll be too late for us, but I want to see us win and win comfortably tomorrow.
1: Dan, we're gonna be without uh, Saliba, El Nenny, uh Tomiasu. Um Chelsea are gonna be without um Kai Havertz. And Koulibaly and Kukurela, uh, um, James, Mason and Brogia, all sidelined. So Chelsea aren't going to have, I know they've got millions of players and everything else, but they're not going to have the squad that they want. They could have a Bamiyang. <laughs> you never know.
2: Firstly, well done, Ferg, that roll sort of, of names you have just rolled off there, you've done quite well, to be honest. I'm quite impressed. I thank you. I yeah. well, thank you. He's, he's definitely been practising these. <laughs> he's he spent hours in the mirror practising the names of a little hairbrush instead of a mic. But um, no, I think, look, on, on tomorrow, right, I think ultimately what we want, what we want, I'm going to ignore him as being rude, um, what we want is a performance from the players. We need to just get back to playing our football going through the process of what we have been trained to do, playing our way, and I do think the result will come. I think Chelsea ultimately don't score that many goals, and I think if they score, it will probably be from mistakes as opposed to them really breaking us down. So back to basics, play good football. We will create opportunities, and I think we'll we'll win comfortably. So I think let's just, let's just not give up. Look, I, I think what I meant earlier wasn't that I think we're going to win the league. I ultimately don't think we're going to win the league now. But I think there's definitely a chance. And I think linking in with a few other questions that people have said and a couple of comments that I do think City will drop points. I just don't think they'll drop that many. I think City are probably likely to drop maybe two points and then they'll pick themselves up again because that is the type of team that they are because they're such a great team. But never say never. There are teams they're playing against, such as West Ham, Leeds, etc., that are fighting for their lives at the bottom and don't expect them to go there and give up they're absolutely not going to do that. You've got teams like Brighton that are still pushing for probably the highest finish that I don't know if it's the highest finish they've ever had, but certainly highest finish they probably ever had in the Premier League. Um, So you never know. And ultimately the final straw is you never know with injuries, you could get an unexpected injury to one or two key players and can completely change it for them because they may then say, let's focus on the Champions League or when it comes into rotating just one or two players like they did for Fulham, maybe it's three and four players. And, and and you never know. I think stranger things have happened in football. Um, but as I said, if we don't win our games, all that is completely irrelevant.
1: Del, uh the Arsenal could beat Chelsea for three consecutive league games for the first time since 2003-2004 when they start doping the league. So that would be really nice if we gave them a good C and 2, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it's a
3: chance to bounce back and, and give everybody a bit of a pick-me-up feel-good factor because, again, it's... It's not just that it wouldn't be just a win. It would be a win to get us back on track against Chelsea. It's always good to get one up on them, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's a few question marks around the squad, the selection, what you do. I mean, I've got my thoughts on it. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I t- I'll be honest, I don't really see them causing as many problems. I think the only issue we may have is someone put in the comments at the start of the, uh, tonight's podcast. Um, there's been a
1: lot of individual errors. I think
3: that's what's, if anything, that's what's going to cost us um,
1: tomorrow. Yeah, I, th- I think squad issues are probably, uh, you know, and injuries have, uh, have cost us because, you know, with the loss of Saliba and the change in the way our defense has acted, not solely because of, as people have said, holding, but you know, Gabriel, I don't think has shone fantastically. Uh, we tried to change things up when Zinni was injured a little bit, and we put uh, KT in and made him play a Zinny type role. So there's lots of different selection pieces, but you know, we've dropped seven points in our last fourteen. Uh, uh no sorry we we've conceded um I've lost the bloody thing but 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 basically uh, you know we've we've shipped a load of goals in the last five or six games and dropped points and uh, which we haven't been doing beforehand trevor um where do you think that is and and do you think we can pick that back up and and, and go with a bit of positivity into tomorrow
0: oh look right we're the arsenal we're, we' those players will go on that field tomorrow full of positivity and, and wanting to win the game of football. Absolutely. They will. Um, and I'm sure that we'll go out and win it. I've, I, I can't see Well, i have got to be careful what we say. It, it's, if, if we lose Chelsea, I'll be very, very disappointed indeed, because we're a much better football team than Chelsea are much better football team across the park in all areas. We, we, we hold better players. So and it is, it is massive tomorrow because if we don't win tomorrow, then it goes on for like it's like five games then since we've won, you know, and and it starts, it, it starts turning into a, a bit of a longer bad run. So it's important tomorrow that that we go out there and play to our best. If we play to our best, then we win the game. Um, you know, I, I, we just mentioned players getting injured, Fergus and while, while we're on it, and I think that a massive loss to us because along with Saliba, there's Tom. been Tommy Asu. Losing Tommy Asu at the same time has limited Arteta's options greatly, really, really let, limited his options. And, uh, you know, we've got to think about that. That is a massive effect on on what what we've done in the previous few weeks. Trying to stay positive, though. I know I said that. I don't think we'll win it, but I do hope we'll win it. I do hope that they drop drop points, but i just just thinking about us. Just want to get our lads... I- Looking at looking at,
1: look at positives, Arsenal have won nine out of the last um, eleven London derbies this season. This is the twelfth London derby. Um, if uh, we win that, then you know it's a record already at nine. Uh, even if we if we were uh, to draw tomorrow, that we'd want that um, and not lose. That means we we we've undefeated in London. So clearly the best team in London. Fat Frank, Christ, he's come back. It dealt with. <laughs> Would you come back to a, a club that you've been an absolute failure at? You've gone to Everton, been an absolute failure, and then gone back there. You know, he's winless in 15 uh, consecutive um, fixtures after losing nine. Um, he's he just lost game after game after game. His manage managerial
3: career is over before it starts, and I, yeah. I, I just think he, he, he knew that going back there as well. But what a job, by the way! If you can get a job as a top level football manager, you tell me what job you can get sacked at, get a big payoff, and then go get another big job, get sacked, get another big payoff. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. This is the whole managerial merry go round and how it happens. I don't get it. But if you're Frank, yeah, why wouldn't you take that job? You've got nothing else to go for. You get a couple of million quid, see you through to the end of the season. Yeah, of course he's going to do it. I think he just put the final
2: nail in his coffin. Now who's going to want to take him? He's going to have to go. Oh, right it's not, to it's, the, it's it. not the final now, Dale. He could get a lot lower. He could go. To Spurs. Oh yeah. <laughs> they need
1: now,
2: yeah. Exactly
1: oh, that I would oh, that'd be great if he went to Spurs, wouldn't it? That would be brilliant. I would brilliant be <laughs> And listen, um, uh, Dan, um, we need a huge performance, huge performance, uh, tomorrow evening. Uh, not only because we need to get back on the bike and, and, and make sure that we are in there should city slip up, but we've got a, an even bigger game in my view on Sunday up at, uh, St. James's park. Um, so it, it, it just, you know, it shows the importance of tomorrow just to build the momentum to get back going and going and going again.
2: Yeah. I think just a bit of confidence at the end of the day, um, but I think, I think they, they should take confidence from how things be going anyway. Look, the last four games have not been ideal, but you look at our form over the last 12 games, it's still championship-winning form. You know, as I said, we could finish second with 90 points. It is just mm. the fact that we're playing against Man City, and I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it's 11 out of 12 games they've now won on the trot, and they drew one of them, which was the Forest game. So you're talking 34 out of 36 points that they've taken. This isn't because we've collapsed or bottled it. Like, and I know I use the word bottled against West Ham because I think we bottled that performance. But bottled the league? No, not at all. We, we've just come up against a team that are serial winners and can get on a run. And then once they get on that run, they're nearly impossible to, to claw back.
1: I think you've almost answered this question. Do you count the last few games as a typical
2: Arsenal meltdown or is there still more at play here? Um, I think you've done that one, don't you? Yeah, I mean, interesting to see what the other guys think because so I know certainly Trev's got a, a
0: different opinion on whether we bottled it He's or not. He's got in or... the
1: glasses like Arsenal emblems on there.
0: Oh, I, I can't. In seasons gone past, when we've finished the season badly, I've always had in my head, I'm looking at the players and I'm thinking they're not trying, them players. They, their season ended about eight games before the season ended. I've not seen that with this current squad. I've not seen that with this current squad. They've, they've, they're trying till the end of every game They're giving away some damn silly goals Which we need to sort and sort quickly But I still think they're, trying, they're playing for the badge And trying to win every game they're playing So at the moment At the moment I can't say that it's a, a, a usual capitulation at all I just think we've gone on a bad run At the wrong time of the season Every club in the league has got a bad run At some time this season Including City who have dropped points you know? Ours has come now Ours has come now, at, right at the wrong time. That's the way I'm looking at it. So I'm looking at our players and thinking, these boys are not giving up yet.
3: Del? Yeah, I think there's a comment by Heath there, and that, that exact one there, I think we've got a young squad. They're meant to, I, I do agree with that. I, I think we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. We've got a very, very young squad who have many have never been in this position themselves before. Have they got that grit to take over the line? We'll soon see. We can't really judge at the moment, but I think this is why I would probably make changes for tomorrow night because Sunday is going to be a tough game. I think we need to give those who haven't been who have played the opportunity to, to earn a spot for that game on Sunday because that's going to be no walk in a park at all. That's a game we could quite easily lose. So, this makes tomorrow even more important. Mm. Um, I'd probably just to touch on a few of the changes I'd make. I, I don't know, just look in, I'd, I'd give, bring Jorginho in. I'd bring Jorginho in um, over Partey. I think Partey has made um, some some errors over the last few weeks. Any other time, you, if if someone keeps making errors and isn't the player who's supposed to be soaking up the uh, the pressure, as we mentioned, that um, that arguably should be dropped. Um, there's the, the Zinchenko KT um, question at left back again, um, or we're left wing back, whichever we're going to do depending on what formation we set up. And I probably would start Trossard tomorrow. I'd probably start Trossard um, against Chelsea. Um, that there gives us a better uh, overview for what we've got coming up. Um, for Sunday. And there's a comment there, uh, which I've just seen come up now, actually, I always say, play with a current best 11. I agree, but at the minute, who is our current best 11? We've got the current best 11 we've been starting with, but can we say that's been our current best 11 at present? Because some people haven't been performing. So, I would ring some changes
2: tomorrow. Yeah, I think, I think ultimately though, then, this doesn't really matter which 11 plays. It can be one or two players that can come in and come out, but, there is definitely a, a mentality switch that we need. And this isn't just an Arsenal mentality switch. This can happen at, at any club. And again, there was something I watched the other day with um, Gary Neville talking about the 97-98 season with with Man United. And ultimately, Man, City, uh, Man United were 12 points clear. I think we had a couple of games in hand still, but they were 12 points ahead of us. And then Roy Keane did his crew and Schmeichel got an injury and he was out for three or four weeks. And then All of a sudden, he was saying, we were looking over our shoulders. We were looking at Arsenal coming. They were starting to put wins together and get on a good run. And and this was a team in Manchester United that had won quite a few league titles still. So this wasn't a team that's even inexperienced like we are currently. And they were looking over their shoulders and they were getting nervous. So I think it's totally acceptable for the boys to be getting nervous. And... As long as they treat it as a learning curve and they do learn from this, and then they go again, and then they can say, "Okay, look, this happened before. This is what we need to do, do different, and dig in." Then I'm I'm happy with it. But if it keeps happening again and again, uh, Dan, I I, I I
1: get what you're saying and I agree. Uh, youth and nerves and stuff and inexperience, um, I I allow for all of that. I was talking to somebody today and they said, "Have you listened to that Antonio podcast?" And Antonio from West Ham was on a, a podcast, and apparently uh, the talk in the dressing room uh, at the Arsenal, uh, among uh, once the once the um, the gap started shortening, and I think it was a f- five or eight point gap, and I, I I haven't heard the clip, but fundamentally the talk start uh, they start asking, well, how did West Ham get on? Uh, how did sorry, how did um, Man City get on? What was the Man City result? Uh, and they hadn't done that all season, so. Have the let them have the let Man City get in their
2: head. Well, I can I can see exactly why because I think I started doing the same thing. I really haven't bothered about City all season, but the last six or seven games, for some reason, I think I might have even said it to a couple of you guys. But I started getting nervous watching City. I started watching every game of Cities, and I was watching them thinking they're getting closer, they're getting closer, and I'm not even on the pitch, I'm not even playing. So, as I said, I think I think it's, it's acceptable. They just need to learn from it. These are ultimately still human beings, right? And human beings have different feelings, nerves being one of them. And at the end of the season, there can only be one winner. Someone has to come second. And a fantastic, fantastic team in Arsenal could be that team that comes second. But only because of probably at this stage an even better side in City. Trevor, there's been a lot of
1: talk on social media about, there we go, uh, bottled it. The phrase bottled. Uh, I know that you wanted, and we held it, I haven't asked you anything about this because you wanted to talk about
0: this in particular. Um, off you go. We've, look, right, you've got to remember as well that that the media have been lurking in the background. They've had nothing to say about Arsenal bad for weeks and they do like to have a go at us. And the term bold it" suits the media very nicely. So they've been pushing that. They've really been pushing it. You've only got to look at Sky Sports to hear it said so many times um it's they, they just they've just found a chink and, they, and they've decided that they're gonna they're gonna open the door on the bottle in it brigade but we've got as Arsenal fans right as Arsenal fans we've had a, a massive season a massive season the end of the season has turned into a bit of a roller coaster of emotions and I've felt all these emotions and you can't blame us as Arsenal fans for feeling it. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm really frustrated that we've got so close and we seem to be dropping off. I'm down. I've really, I don't know if you've sensed it on tonight's podcast. I'm, I'm enthused about watching my Arsenal tomorrow. I'm down about the fact that these young lads have got us so close, so close. And I'm still in with a chance. Still the only other team in with a chance of winning the league, however small it may be. No one else can say that. No one else can say that. Only the Arsenal fans can say we are still in with a shout, you know. So be disappointed. Be down, right? Be frustrated. But I've seen it starting to surface, and, and we all have. Don't, don't abuse our players. Please don't abuse the players, right? Whoever it is. Rob Holding's been taking some ter- terrible stick, you know? But they're all giving 100%. The, the, holding is a backup centre-half. For Saliba and Gabriel. That's what he's employed by the club for. And if we're winning the game comfortably, sometimes comes on and makes a back three, you know. He's... Holding hasn't come into that side and not given it his all. We've seen a little drop in standard. but He's still giving it everything. And that's all I ask as an Arsenal fan, you know. And they've shown... They've shown all season, right? They've shown all season that... They're playing for this. They're playing for this badge, right? And that's all I ask of them as a fan. That is all we should ask as fans, right? Play for the badge. Do the best you can, right? There's 18 teams in that league, right? Is there 18 or 19 teams? However many teams, right? It Doesn't matter. 20 teams in a league, however many. And of all them other teams, we're the team that can still win it. We've been in front. We've tried our best. We're going to possibly fall a bit short. Don't pick on the players for that. Think of the bigger picture. They've given their all for this club this year, as us fans have. At Manchester City, when we were 4-1 down, Dan and Fergus and myself and every other Arsenal fan in that stadium were singing their heads off for half an hour. Nonstop. Nonstop for half an hour. We'd lost the game. We weren't going to come back and win it, but the fans wanted the players to know how we appreciated them. And that appreciation should should, should come from... Fans in the stadium away, fans in the stadium at home, fans on social media, fans on podcast. You know, if you're disappointed, do no
1: Sorry, Trav, I just put it up because you said it.
0: It's all right. That's all right. You've got to let people have their say. Not that one, not that one. Charles has said here that criticism isn't abuse, right? Charles, criticism isn't abuse. But have a look at social media, what some people have had said against them. Don't deserve it, mate. So I agree, criticism isn't abuse. we are criticised enough on here tonight, but we've not abused anybody. We've not abused anybody because we're above that. We're Arsenal supporters. You know, right. I'm losing my voice here, Ferg. I'm off. <laughs> yeah. No, to be but, fair, Trev,
2: I think, I think you're spot on, right? And that comment, criticism isn't abuse, just again, hits an hour on the head in that I, for one, have criticised Rob Holding a lot, a lot recently. But when we get in the stadium, we sing his name and we get behind him. And I, I put a tweet up the other day after the Man City game saying Arteta will with you and, and Saka will with you, etc. And Holding will with you. And someone commented and said, no, we're not with Holding. And then I think my reply was, "Well, you're not with us, then. You know, if yeah. if you can't get behind him, you're not an Arsenal fan. I, I don't see why why you would abuse a
0: player. Ultimately, surely you want that player to do well, right? Absolutely nailed it, Dan. There's a line that you don't cross if you're a if you're a true Arsenal fan. Absolutely nailed it, Dan. I'm I'm not even going to add to that. You nailed it,
1: mate.
0: Uh, we need uh, score, I, I just showed
1: you a goal there. No, it's been disallowed, or there was a whistle or something like that. Um, listen, final final question uh, on here was one is your your question, Dell, and uh, I'll let you read it out.
3: Yeah, so as we all know that we we've there's been talk a bit week in week out. We do lack a bit of depth and we do need certain positions. So the, the the question was really a bit of a, a three part question. So what positions do we need to fill next season? Who do we let go because we have to let people go, and what players would you realistically like to see come in? I mean, I've got my uh, my list.
1: Um, and I'm sure I'm interested to hear your guys' uh, take on this. I'll go first in positions. I think we need to have a keeper, because I don't think Turner is good enough as a backup keeper. I think that would be further down the pecking order. I think we need backup um, in um, uh, the Saliba, backup for Saliba. Um, I think we need backup um, in the midfield, either Shaka or party... One or the other, they're going to go over the next uh, couple of years. And so I think you need somebody coming in there because Lekonga not going to be our, our guy in there. Um, I think we do need an out and striker as well. And I've said it before we came on air, Ivan Tony are that elk uh, to come in. Uh, Trev, your idea of who, who would you have?
0: Yeah, well, I, I need to eat humble pie here because a couple of weeks ago I said to Dan, I think that in the close season, you only need to buy a couple of players if you're good enough. And I think that, that the last few weeks have changed my opinion, Fergus. I think the most important one for me is that a backup defensive, good, solid central, defense, central defensive midfielder. Um, because as we've seen, if Xhaka and Party are not playing, our levels drop. For some reason, he's been playing um, Vieira in front of Jorginho when either Xhaka or Party are missing, which... I'm finding it really difficult to work out because I thought that was the exact reason we bought Jorginho as a backup to cover the, 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 the defensive midfielders. So that's number one for me, a, a good, solid midfielder to cover with Partey and Xhaka, number one. Number two, I still want this big striker. And I've seen it in the last few weeks. We had look, Man City away, right? We didn't have a plan B to go to, really. we we didn't We didn't have a big lad that we could bring on just to change the... The outlook of the game, you know, so that's number two for me, and then the the, the third one, the third player I want is is a centre half, because as much as I've supported holding tonight, it's become clear that he maybe just is a little bit below the level we want. So we want I want another another um, centre half to be to be coming in, and I want I want Tommy Ashley fit, and I want Tierney to stay, and then with them three signings, I've just said I'd be very happy.
2: Um, I still think we need six or seven um, I don't think we can expect that in one window and I think that's something that we'll see progress over a couple of years to get that quality in because this isn't six or seven players we need numbers wise this is top quality that we need to come in I think I agree with a goalkeeper we need a backup goalkeeper um, I'm not sure we have enough quality at the minute in terms of depth so I think Matt Turner for me is number three not number two I think we need quite a clear backup centre-back that can come in and play good football. I think um, Gehi from Crystal Palace would be a good a good backup. I think we also need a right-back. I think we need a guy that can maybe be an alternative and a bit more of an attacking full at times as well and also someone that we can rely on because I think Tommy Asu is unfortunately injury-prone and that's something that we, we can't really have. I think we definitely need a six because I think Partey will need replacing long-term. I think Jorginho is brought in to to fill in for Partey, not as opposed to the eight role. You know, he can see the game in front of him, whereas when he's got his back to goal on the half-turn, he's not that sort of player. So I I get that. But holding midfielder, again, I think Kaysedo would be, for me, top-notch. If we got him, I'd be over the moon. Another eight to replace Xhaka long-term, I think, will come in. And then I think, I agree with you guys, we need a striker. And I also think we need a winger. I think someone like Serge Nabry would be a fantastic um, right winger to come in and compete. You look at City, they've got three or four players that can play on the w- on the wide positions and rotate. And ultimately up top, look, I'd love an Ivan Tony. I also think men from Napoli would be top top level, but um are we gonna go out and spend all that money on all of them? No, because that would be like four or five hundred million. So we're probably dreaming if that's what we're expecting.
1: Dale, answer your question. Yeah, I and think. There's
3: one name there that uh, I've only I've seen in the comments and between all of us, I've only seen him mentioned once, and that's Kaiseido. Since we were linked with him in January, I've paid a lot more attention to him than I previously would have done. The guy is an absolute machine. He is by far, and he, and he would walk into our team, whether we like it or not, whether we've had a great season or not, he would walk into our starting eleven straight away. He There's all this talk of Declan and Rice, which I think would be another great buy. But for me, if we can prioritise somebody like Kaiseido, he immediately takes us up a whole new level. I do think we need a striker. Um, I think we need a different type of striker. That type of striker you mentioned, Fergus, in Ivan Tony, I know we spoke about him beforehand as well. We don't have anybody in that front three who can, including on the bench who can put any real pressure on defenders. I think we need a big, uh, a big guy up there. Uh, and the reality is people like Haaland don't come about <laughs> every day of the week. Right? We know that. But we've got a very, very, very good player in Ivan Tony, Great with both feet, great with his head. And as we saw against us, he can bully defenders. Now, we, at the time, we had Gabriel and Saliba at the back, and he was giving them a run for their money. And we know he scored an offside goal in the end, but um, ultimately, I think that's what we need. And then, again, I'd like to see a centre half. Um, I do believe Rob Holden will be sold. Um, I think the highlights that unfortunately probably isn't good enough. We're probably holding on to a few people for sentiment like El Neni. Um Patino was mentioned. I think Patino it came out today that he's he's probably off. Um and we spoke about it beforehand. I do like the guy, but if he isn't willing to, to stay and fight for his place, then he's not the sort of person I want in our club anyway. So yeah, I think there's uh quite a few outs to come as well as in um to be really interesting to see who who's out the door.
1: Yeah, I posted I posted on a topic on the Arsenal fans forum this morning and they were talking about Shaka, KT, and another player all being sold to to, to fund bringing in, in some players. So they've clearly got some ideas. Uh, guys, we've overshot, and you can see the numbers dropping off because uh, the 8 o'clock game is uh, starting. The ladies are into – I think they're going into the, about to start the second half of extra time, so that's going to go into penalties as well. Um, listen, we go up and down the country, uh, home and away. Uh, home – it doesn't matter where you go, but there was a photograph that summed up uh, what, it what it feels like, like. when when – you don't win.
0: <laughs> oh, oh! I, I think right. I was just in a bit of shock because I, I, I stood there right, and I, Dan and me, we were the last Arsenal fans to leave that stadium, right? We were the last. We stood there, and the photographer, and I, and I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was in shock because I honestly didn't think. We would be outplayed as much as we were by City. I honestly thought that that we would do better, and uh it just shows we still got some work to do. And that's why my view on these signings has changed a bit as well. Trev, what's um what's going through your mind in that picture? I'm interested to see what you're thinking about because I remember what I was thinking about. I I think that a Man City fan had been throwing abuse at me about two yards away out of that picture, and I was thinking he called, you called you me know, a cockney. If I and you what. I said, He called me a cockney and worse. (laughs) If I was 10 years younger, you know, but then I did stand there. I think I was honestly, if I'm honest, I was thinking, I think we've blown the league tonight. I think, I think that's it done. I think that's it done. God, I hope I'm wrong, boys. I hope I'm wrong.
1: What were you thinking,
0: Dan?
2: I was looking over at the City fans and some of them celebrating on the way out and... I was sitting there thinking, I hope the players have looked at that and seen that too because I want them to feel exactly as I felt and use that and go again next season and not say this is just one season where we've had a good season. This is something we're going to build on and say this isn't happening again. Mm. Yeah, uh, I must admit,
1: uh, the the last ten fifteen minutes, the city fans were quite unpleasant. And uh, yeah, they, 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 there was a question earlier on. I think it was Stefan had the question about the the plastic fans and everything else. And I, I must admit, eighty five percent of that stadium is full of tourists and day trippers and corporate tickets. And there's many a time you see the the, the camera pans into uh, the empty had or the Etihad, and there's empty seats and there's. Mobile phones and people on Twitter and all everything else, but to either side of the away section, especially in the lower tier, it's quite uh, uh, vociferous. Old school city fans, and they were not they were not pleasant. There was a lady behind me uh, uh, when we moved down to that uh, like uh, row two or three. She was in, and that fella that uh, hurled the abuse at at me and you, um, it was absolutely disgusting towards uh, her and and her daughter. And the annoying thing was that the police were just right there and they could do nothing because if they'd done something, they explained to me, if they'd done something to the City fans, all the City fans would have kicked off. And it was going to be me and you, Dan, that were going to get kicked out of the stadium and we didn't shout any abuse at them, which is absolutely wrong. But listen, let's look on to the Chelsea game. And just to get us in the mood, as usual, we'll have a bit of this. (laughs) Boys, thank you very much. Everybody out there, um, you have been watching an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans. Yeah, for so, Arsenal fans. We can't not
3: pre- put our predictions on tomorrow night, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course, <laughs> course, yeah. yeah, I'll go 2-1. Right, Dell. Del.
0: I'm going
2: 4-0. I'm going to go 3-1. 3-1? I'm going to go 3-0. There we go.
1: People in the chat, you've got a few seconds. We'll put it up while uh, the music is playing out. If you like Justice. what we do, click
0: on the... Ferg, listen, don't that. put me on full screen because this applies for all of us, right? We've been a bit down tonight. We've had to be. But we're pos- we'll all be there tomorrow night singing and shouting our heads off. Because as fans, we're going to give it our all. That's what we do all the time, isn't it? You know? So anyone watching this, don't think we're going to go tomorrow night and be quiet or be down or not sing our songs and not shout and scream. We'll all be shouting and screaming. We'll all be positive. We'll all be singing our ends off because we are the Arsenal. Sorry, folk Had to be said.
1: That's fine. That's fine. And uh, meet in the usual place. Um, uh, we've got a table booked and we'll see you there. Right. Up the Arsenal. Fuck the Spurs.
0: You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us soon.